0: Hello friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobomb. It's too darn hot, it's too darn hot. Welcome to summer here at There's No People Like Show People. <laughs> uh, you know, one of life's greatest gifts is the ability to laugh at yourself. I'm so glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, please check out our merchandise store at www.there'snopeoplelikeshowpeople.itemorder.com. There you will find all kinds of goodies. Each purchase supports honest storytelling and really helps us out. And if you like what you hear, don't be shy and reach out. Follow us on Instagram at there's no people like show people or give us a five star rating and leave us a written review. We absolutely love hearing from you. Thank you so much for your continued support. Wherever you are in the world today, I hope you're having a fabulous day filled with much love and joy. Friends, do you ever have one of those days where I like to call it um, a scrambler day where you just feel like you are scrambling and you have this list, this to-do list that just doesn't end. And you're like, I got to do this. I got to go to work. I got to take care of my kid. I, I got to do, you know, like I, I just went through the whole Sophie nighttime routine, which is dinner time and bath time and story time and bedtime and then you're just like, wow, okay. And then we come to my favorite part of the best part of the day, which is record a podcast episode time of day. And I am so thrilled because our guest today, she is such a, like a calming presence. She's, she's so calm. She's so organized, responsible, and joyous, like just a joyous human to be around. She is always the person that you want to have backstage, especially when you're having a crisis and you're like, ah, quick change. Ah, where's my prop? Ah, what's my line? And she's like, I got you. I know. And she's like, just like ready to calm you down and like ready to help you with whatever you need. So she is a freelance stage manager, director, and educator. Welcome to the podcast, Veronica Zahn. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing all right. You, like, listeners, you cannot see her, but she just looks so poised right now. She has this beautiful stained glass window behind her. She's got on, like, earrings, lipstick, glasses. She's wearing a headset. And I, on the other end of Zoom, um, am in Christmas pajamas right now. (laughs)
1: I must say when the shutdown happened and I got this headset, I, I was so excited about it. Not only cause I, the intention was to, you know, keep all the extraneous sound out of the way when I was doing zoom meetings for the stage managers association and things like that. But also it's like, uh, I have my headset on. It's like Sweeney Todd. My head is complete again.
0: <laughs> you, you feel like official. Yes. When you, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, I don't know. Like we were just talking about, like it's been a, a hot minute since I have performed in a show because I've been focusing on other things, directing, choreographing, teaching, motherhood. Um, that's that has taken a lot of a lot of focus. It's that's definitely a a lesson in being present every mm. every day is becoming a parent because when when you have small children, you just you just have to be. But I I don't know what it would feel like if um like the the first time that I like do my pre-show routine where I'm like this is where I put on my mic belt and this is where I put on my tights and this is where I put on my costume and like I'm ready to go I don't know if it'll feel like like uh back in the saddle again (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or if it'll feel like weird I don't know so anyway that's my version of, of of putting on a headset like feeling like official like I know what I'm doing yeah um okay before we get too crazy um because i you know i know we can uh what would you tell our listeners where did you grow up and how did you first get into theater so
1: i was born in what i understand to be like north central illinois um sterling rock falls illinois i only lived there until i was five and then i moved to um outside of pittsburgh and that is where i did my first show My mother and I celebrate my theater anniversary on Earth Day (laughs) because my fourth grade class did a Earth Day play. And that was the first show I was in. And then I was um, in uh, elementary school musical in fifth grade, sixth grade. I was in the children's chorus of Joseph like you do. And then seventh grade, we moved to what I consider my hometown, Michigan City, Indiana, um. If you listen to Jeremy Phillips interview, we went to high school together. Fun oh, fact. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> we were both um, student assistant directors on uh, the uh, the mousetrap our senior year. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, so we moved to Michigan City and my dad kept... kept putting my sister and I involved in theaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did theater in high school. And uh, I think he just saw it as like another extracurricular to do. Like we did swimming and my sister did track. And so we also did theater. Um, But in high school, I had this epiphany of how much I enjoyed the people at rehearsal, how much I liked being around them. And I was a super shy, quiet kid, um, graduation from high school like liberated the, the true Veronica because <laughs> I was just so quiet Um, but when I was at rehearsal it was like a different person um, sociable and outgoing um, I distinctly remember in high school being like in class with people and not talking to anyone except my friends and then being at rehearsal with these same people and engaging with them it was so um so bizarre uh but it it felt like this is where i was my best self so um i decided i wanted to study it in college so i went to college uh bethel what is now bethel university a small Mm -hmm. school so i got to do all sorts of things i wanted to try everything see what i was good at um and i refer to directing as my first love uh but because i was at a small school Uh, and trying everything. I also tried stage management, which other people saw I was good at, but I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, But I kept doing it and like, uh, like uh, using it to negotiate for other things that I wanted. Like I'll stage manage uh, Charlotte's Web if I get to direct in the first student directing slot um and then by the time I was in my fourth year at Bethel it's like okay might as well do the musical so I wanted to go to grad school for directing um, I wanted to hone my skills after being such a well-rounded theater artist in college and I also knew I wanted to teach someday um, but I didn't get to any get into any schools I'm like that's fine I don't have a lot of experience I get it. So I reached out to a summer stock contact of mine. Um, I knew she had done some directing locally. Could she get me an interview at that uh, theater? And she did. And they did offer me a co-directing position. And then they were like, we see you have a lot of stage management credits. Would you also stage manage for us? (laughs) Yes. And I was like, no, I don't want to do stage management. (laughs) But um, what, what, got me was they'd never had a formally trained stage manager before so i'm like okay i can help here so i started rehearsals for chicago before uh the school year was even done of my last year of college and um i've discovered that i really enjoyed stage management in addition to being good at it and so the opportunity arose for me to apply to grad school for stage management. And I was like, okay, well, I'll get my MFA. I'll get to teach. I'll get to learn from the directors I stage manage for. Mm -hmm. So I applied and got into Wayne state university in Detroit three years there, got my master's, uh, moved here to Milwaukee for many reasons. Um, I am not a Chicago and New York girl. Mm -hmm. I Milwaukee is a great city. It has a lot to offer and I can like wrap my head around it. It's not too big. Yeah. Um I have family here. It's back on Lake Michigan uh which I grew up on Lake Michigan in Indiana. So um and there's there's a lot of work here and uh I I landed and got started at Of course first I did a summer at the Little Theater. I ended up doing three summers there, one with the wonderful and talented Sarah <laughs> um, And yeah, it's just been, uh, you know, the rest is history. Uh, I I could talk about all the different shows and positions I've had here, but it is there Any other questions in the meantime?
0: Um, Well, you, yeah, that's so funny. You are an exceptional stage manager. Like you're so good at it. You're (laughs) so good. Yeah, because you're so, you're just, you are a person who, if I look at anybody, if we're in a rehearsal room, you know, which has tons of people in it on all different sides of the table, doing all different kinds of things involved with the show, And you are always the person who like, I know like 100%, you're just going to be on top of it all the time. (laughs) Like you're going to let, you're going to show up, you know, you're going to be prepared. You're going to know what you're, you have the experience, you know what you're doing and you, you really are. You're just like a a calm and like joyous presence, which Mm -hmm. I think that's what everybody needs in the room. Everybody. And I,
1: like you said, I also teach. And so I, I have a lot of my philosophy on stage management. It's not, I'm not saying it's right and the best for everyone, but it's how I approach it and have been successful at it. So I think that the stage manager does need to be both of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, when everyone else is losing their shit, the stage (laughs) manager has to be, if no one else is calm, the stage manager has to be that person. Yes. And if everyone's like, this is going to suck and where it's never going to get done the stage manager is positive you know realistic perhaps but encouraging positive mm-hmm. um and uh you know that that shy quiet kid now she leads tech rehearsals with like 50 people in the room listening to her yeah and the high school me just can't believe that that's where i got <laughs>
0: What, what do you think are some of the things that you've really struggled with when it comes to this career?
1: Gosh, number one has got to be work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I freelanced the last seven, well, you know, up to 2020. <laughs> so that's like six years after grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, freelancing. And, you know, my first year, I was struggling, you know, doing small contracts for like $300 and, um, but then it got more consistent and I was booking, you know, and I worked up to four jobs at a time and I didn't learn my lesson because after the shutdown and I reset, I got back up to four jobs at a time. And I'm like, Veronica, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> being home so little, eating so many meals in my car, like mm-hmm. um, we don't have kids. We don't have pets. My husband is also a theater artist, um, not full time, but he understands. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been very good about like letting me know when he feels neglected. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> um, but he also understands when it's tech week and i have back to back 10 out of 12s it's going to be like nudge nudge hey honey i'm home i love you and he rolls over and goes back to sleep you know yeah. like that's our entire yeah. good night um, interaction for the day yeah yep. so um work life balance uh something that i personally uh have to keep working on as a stage manager is being assertive on an interpersonal mm-hmm. level mm-hmm. um let's let's bring pop psychology in shall we um i had (laughs) a wonderful yet complicated relationship with my father growing up and i instead of getting in a fight it was just easier for me to not engage with it and so i feel like i have continued that philosophy subconsciously into my professional life but there are times where I need to put my foot down or I need to speak up or I need to ask a question. And so I've had to work at speaking up, uh, not only for myself, but also for other people in the rehearsal room.
0: Yeah, that's actually, what a great way of, um, yeah, I think child-parent relationships are very complicated. Even if you had a really good relationship with your parents or guardians, um, there's still like times that you go through that really aren't the best. And, and the way that you, cause I was trying to think of like an adequate way to describe my relationship with my mom. Um, and you know, my mom has now passed away. Um, mm-hmm. but that, that very similar, like same, like wonderful, but, but also, uh, times of tension, times of complication, times of, cause I think your parents sometimes, they have this idea in their brain of like who they want you to be or who they see their children as. And, and when you don't like live up to their expectations of what they think that you should be because you're on a different path, especially when it comes to being an artist and being on an artistic path, because that is a totally, that is a non-traditional life path. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, has anyone ever given you any really good life advice that you carry with you and sort of like that helps you in this career path? Uh, nothing
1: specific that was like handed down to me. Um, but I think that my mentors in college instilled in me a drive towards excellence and that is. Still with me, that I'm always pushing myself to be better. And as a stage manager, a lot of what you do goes unnoticed <laughs> um, <laughs> until you don't do it. Like when uh-huh. that prop's not there, it's like, Veronica, <laughs> why isn't this free set? Um, and so if I were a lazier person, I could be like, ah, this paperwork is close enough, or like, oh, this daily, it's fine. But um, I push myself. To be specific and thorough and legible and, and all of that. Um, I think another piece of advice that I think is really important was really important to me when I was starting out, and that I try to pass on to the next generation. Um, it actually comes from the Bible. Uh, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, I still attend an Episcopal Church. Um, shout out Pride Month. We are an inclusive denomination. Um, so check us out if you're curious, uh, about that, but, um, this Bible verse, I always have to look it up because I, as (laughs) I grew up in the church and I always forget what this Bible verse is, (laughs) um, but it's Luke 16, 10. And I wrote it down. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And it comes from a parable and, you know, you can look up Luke, Luke, you can look up Luke 16 to read the whole thing, but the way I apply it to, our careers is, um, when you're just starting out, when I was just starting out, you know, I had my MFA, but I moved, I was a big fish in a small pond and I moved to little fish in a big pond. Mm -hmm. And so even though I had this degree and I had these skills, I had to prove myself, I had to kind of start over, um. Uh, Which leads me to a piece of advice that I did get from a specific person, my friend, Mike Peters, who I went to college and grad school with, and is still like my lifeline when I need someone to, to talk me down. (laughs) Um, He said, your degree won't get you jobs, your skills will. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I was ASMing this for this small theater company for $300 and I could be like, this is beneath me. But I was like, no, I'm gonna knock this one out of the park, Mm -hmm. show them my skills. And once they can see that you're capable of more, they're gonna give you more. Mm -hmm. And I have worked with that theater company a lot and they did recommend me to other theater companies. Um, They're like, Veronica, we love working with you, but we know you're gonna move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my, my nugget of advice that I got and that I try to pass on.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I think that the whole world has been in just for the past couple of years, this massive time of transformation, of transition, it's such a big transitional time for like almost everyone because so much has changed and this pandemic has affected everyone, everyone. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so like, I know, I feel like I've been in like the past like two to three years of my life, so many things have changed. And, um, you know, having a baby, becoming a mom, moving halfway across the country, starting my life over again and theater and especially the theater community has always been my anchor mm. through all of that. It, it is where I feel the most alive and where I feel um, the happiest and, and where I feel like like I, that's always home for me. And it's not a specific place or even a specific theater company. It's, it's the people. It's the community of people. Yeah.
1: I think that's been another challenge for me post-grad school. <laughs> um, as much as I love the people in theater, and they are fantastic people, I've had a hard time making friends this is, yeah. um, since grad school. You know, like, you spend three years with these people, and you are in class with them, and rehearsal with them, and you live nearby, and you go to yeah. cast parties. Um, but then I started my professional career, and... <laughs> That same first show I did in Milwaukee, literally everyone else in the room was old enough to be my parent. So I'm like, okay, well, nobody my age, great. Um, and I probably do it to myself as a stage manager. You know, I try to keep a level of professional distance, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the directors I've worked with have been older than me. Um, the actors, you know, I want to. I personally try to keep a, a level of distance um, because being vulnerable, I don't want to lose that trust that they have in me um, and my ability to stay objective. Um, so, uh, but I have found a couple friends in like production managers, um, crew. Uh, my ASMs have frequently been younger than me that I've been mentoring, so there's more of a mentor relationship there th- than a friend uh, relationship there. Um, but thankfully my husband, I am the introvert. He is the extrovert. And so he helps me, he, he uh, we got married and he like brought all these friends like here, Veronica, and they are wonderful (laughs) and they love me. So I have found a lot of friends through my husband's friends.
0: I love that.
1: Um, but I still, (laughs) even though I'm not like going to the bar with the actors and stuff, I still love watching you all rehearse and like, being involved and around these artistic conversations. Um, and when I'm stage managing, that director's side of my brain honestly mostly turns off because I'm worried about prop tracking and calling people, feeding lines and stuff. Um, uh, so it's, it's scene just changes, a privilege. changes, like scene yes. Change. Yes. <laughs> It's just a privilege to, to watch you all work.
0: Oh my God. Thank you so much. Because I feel like most of the time when rehearsals are so messy, there's <laughs> it's like constantly messing up and making a million mistakes and feeling like you, like you have absolutely no idea what you're doing and questioning. We are like, why am I even an actor in the first place? Why did I choose? I, I'm like, I, this is terrible. Like I, mm. like I think every actor we're really hard on ourselves and we really like beat ourselves up yeah. over, over being human. Yes. And, and and we're like we somehow think that we're not allowed to be human. Like we're not allowed to make mistakes. We're not allowed to mess up. We're not like, I know for me at least, like I've really, really struggled with um perfectionism. And
1: you know, when when we were at the Little Theater on the Square doing a musical, full Broadway, in two weeks, there is no time for mistakes. <laughs> no. You only have a week to learn act one and then you're on to act two, and then suddenly it's tech week and yeah. <laughs>
0: And then you open and, and then you blink and the show's over next. Yeah. And then you're, and then you're on to yeah. So you really don't, I don't know. I actually, I, I felt like working there was actually really good for my perfectionism because I didn't, I, you know, you only had this amount of time to like figure it out or get you, you couldn't make it perfect. You couldn't, you know, like it just had, it had to be good enough. It had to mm. be, um, like done is, is better than perfect. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's wild to think about. It almost feels like that part of my life kind of feels like, I don't know, like I'm in a new chapter now. Mm -hmm. I'm in, I'm in this new chapter of life. And, um, I think it's good to speak to, I know a lot of times people out there in this business take a break for like, for whatever reason you know maybe sometimes it's health related sometimes it's financially related sometimes they're like i just want to i just want to do other things in, in in life um there's all kinds of reasons why people take a break and i feel like i have been taking a break mostly because well number one pandemic i mean that was kind of a forced break for everyone Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was a break that we're like we didn't we didn't know that we were going to take, but we did. Um, Whether yeah. you
1: wanted it or needed it or not, and to be honest, we probably all needed it. Like yeah. I was seeing the NPR, and these two musicians were talking to each other, and one of them was talking about the the record that they wrote during the pandemic. Um, and even though they didn't want to take a break, they probably needed a break. And that pandemic like forced them to yep. stop and slow down for a second.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so that would definitely be reason number one. And, and reason number two would be, uh, you know, having a, a baby and then very shortly after that becoming a single mom. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, like my, especially my performing career just needs to kind of be put on the back burner uh, for a while and I want to come back to it. I really do, but I don't know when or how that's going to, I don't know when that's going to be. And like, that's something that I've really been struggling with during this time of this transitional time.
1: Mm -hmm. One of my close friends from college, um, she has two kids. And at one point she said to me, We can have it all, but not all at once. (laughs) And that has been a, that was one of those things at the time. I was like, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to store it until I need it. And it's, it's kind of true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, I have often said that and I have always been like, unless you are Michelle Obama, then you can have (laughs) it all, all at the same time. (laughs)
1: I mean, I'm sure there's a certain level of, of privilege, like if you have enough money or have enough support to right. what have you.
0: Right. Exactly. But yes, I would say most people, it it is extremely difficult and near impossible to have everything that you want all at the same, because it's just really, it's just too much, you know, it's just, yeah, it's too, you kind of have to pick and choose for what stage of life that you're, that you are currently in. Yeah. And I'm so curious to know, you know, after everything that everybody has been through, how do you want to see the theater world change?
1: Well, there's a couple of movements that I see happening um, in the stage management side of things. Um, you know, I'm in several stage manager Facebook groups. I'm involved in the Stage Managers Association. And, um, there's definitely a movement to eliminate 10 out of 12s, um, which I'm a big fan of, um, they are tough on stage managers. Um, you know, don't report me to my union, but, uh, (laughs) 10 out of 12 for a stage manager really means like 13 out of 14, you know, Mm -hmm. because at least me, the way that I work, I get there early. I generally take the entire meal break I've gotten better at that (laughs) and you know walking away during five minute breaks 10 minute breaks Mm -hmm. um and it helps when you have a director who respects breaks and isn't trying to work or have side conversations during breaks um but then you know after the tech rehearsal we have a production meeting so stage manager stays late and then we have a report and a daily and fixing Mm -hmm. your script and all that um and when they're back to back, I get like six hours of sleep and then I come back in the next day and I'm on the entire time, you know, yeah. A- actors love you. You get to go off stage and sit on your phone. I have to be like, okay, we have to move on now. And, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, I've also seen interest in uh, shifting to five day work weeks, which I think would be amazing. Yeah. Because, you know, you have... At least on an equity contract, um, you have one day off a week, and that's just long enough for me to run errands, do laundry, and food prep, you know, let yep. alone have some fun.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I, I, again, I don't have kids or a dog or anything. So I don't know how people do it <laughs> besides, like, again, with support, um, a partner or family or whatever. Yep. Um, there's also an interest in changing the Actors Equity Association name to be more uh, of an umbrella term because it is not just actors in Actors' Equity. Um, And the Actors' Fund actually just changed their name to the Entertainment Community Fund. Ooh. Yes, which is great because they are not just for actors. Um, In Mm -hmm. fact, I, during summer of 2020, applied for one of their um, COVID grants and got it. Uh, and that was one of the things that helped me bridge the, f- <laughs> the eight month, the gap until my uh, unemployment came in. You know what I mean? Wow. Oh, um, yeah. I think there is better support for caregivers. Um, and I'm sure you can speak to that far more honestly than I can. Yeah. Um, that is part of why I chose to pause my stage management career is we would like to have kids sometime in the near future yeah and even though theater I think has gotten better I just don't want again I I avoid conflict I don't want the fight it I just think it'd be easier honestly with my office job to um, work part-time work part-time from home whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. so that my husband and I can make that work. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say about what I hope, um, changes for the theater is I'm really excited for intimacy directors becoming more common on production teams. Um, I have yet to have the privilege of working with an intimacy director, but I've been to a couple different, um, seminars and panels on it. And it's been really educational as a stage manager. And so when I don't have one in the room, I have tried to be that voice a little bit in the room. Um, but I'd rather not be the only one, you know, I'd rather have somebody paid to specifically do that on the team in the room. Um, so I'm excited for that to become more common.
0: Yeah. 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 It's just something that nobody, like 10 years ago, nobody really talked about it. It like, wasn't really a a common thing. And now Mm -hmm. um, everybody knows what that is, which whether, yeah, whether you have it or not, or I think it's just people's people being just awareness, you know, having more awareness and, and, and communicating better, with their actors and with their team about okay like what are you comfortable with what are you what are you not comfortable with like what do you Mm -hmm. You know what I mean like is this okay is this so not not okay and I know me when I'm directing something like I don't I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable and so I'm always like hey like I have like five different options. Like here's option one, two, three, four. Like we can just, we can try them all, you know, like we can see what works because like, again, you're going to have to do this show however many times you have to do it a week. And like, I would hate for someone in my show to be like, oh my God, I like really hate, like, hate. I like, I feel, I can't stand doing this one scene or this one moment in the show because of whatever you know because my director asked me to do this and I don't want to do it I don't feel comfortable do it or doing it with or whoever and like okay well then why let's just change it you know like why can't we just change it so that everybody feels comfortable yeah yes so what a joy this is like what what a delight oh uh, it's just it's so good to see you and I know like we had talked about recording this episode I'm pretty sure like the end of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> and then now, now yeah. we're we're finally getting around to record it in 2022.
1: Well, I am sure you've had I you know, two years worth of awesome people to talk to and who again, wouldn't want to talk to to you, Sarah. So, um, I'm just glad you remembered me, especially since like I am not currently working in the industry, um but I have I still have a passion for stage management and definitely, uh, for theater. So I appreciate you uh, coming around to me eventually.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Any Anyone who reaches out to me or I reach out to them or I mean, th- this is very common. Like this happens all the time where it'd be like, hey, like would love to be on your podcast or I'm like, hey, would love would you be interested to in be a guest? They say yes, but later or, you know, wh- whatever or some people are like, yes, like tomorrow. And I'm like, Whoa, okay. Uh, <laughs> like, let's make it happen here. Um, and then some people are like, yes, but get back to me. But then like a year goes by, but mm-hmm. I, I always remember always. And I, and I always, I will always get back to you. So listen, if you are listening out there right now and you would love to be like, please do not be shy. Like just reach out. I I've had, strangely, I've had a lot of people, sort of tell me like oh I don't think that I'm like qualified to be on this podcast or I don't think that I'm good enough or I don't think that I have anything like interesting to share and and every single time I'm like what I'm like no you'd be great like you, you'd be perfect like because I, I want to hear all stories I want to hear all sides Um, I like I want to like if you haven't done a show in a while like Oh, you are still, you are good enough. You are qualified to be on this podcast. Like there's literally one qualification. One, have you done, have you worked on a show at some point in your life? That's the qualification. <laughs> that's it. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the theater should teach us is that everybody's story is important and valuable.
0: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, do you have a favorite theater memory or story that you would like to leave our listeners with today?
1: It is so hard to um, pick just one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had so many awesome moments, like uh, um, being called the show's guardian angel as a stage manager um getting to work with my sister uh both on headset uh doing shows with my husband mm-hmm. um every time a company has sung happy birthday to me in you know <laughs> eight part harmony uh, <laughs> yeah. but um for as much as uh my you have sung my praises uh perhaps i will tell a story of when i screwed up <laughs> oh um, this was uh winter of 2017 uh my first equity show i had just gotten my card i was so excited about it and um i was also uh fairly newly engaged and we opened the show friday night it was great saturday um my my fiance at the time my now husband we were going to um a small bridal show on Saturday to like, check out DJs and florists and and that sort of thing. Um, and we met up at the bridal show and I was going to go from the show to, uh, my two show day. Um, so I had my backpack and my script and my, my laptop and the whole bit. Um, but I put all that in my trunk. I didn't want to take it into the bridal show with me. So, um, I got there early. I'm sitting in my car and waiting for M- Matt to show up. And so he did. And then we go into the bridal show. We come out. I realize I locked my keys in my car. Oh, no. And my script, laptop, backpack are in the trunk. So, my script is my calling script is locked in the trunk. And I panic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my aunt lived nearby. She has AAA, so I call up my aunt to meet us, so that AAA will come to my car and unlock my car for me. And they're like, "Yeah, it'll be an hour." And I'm like, "No, no, no! You don't understand. I go is in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I need to leave now to make it there for half hour to like check the sign-in sheet and open the house. Mm-hmm. And so." I took Matt's car to the theater and left him and my aunt with my car waiting for the AAA guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get there and open the house and, you know, get this, get this ball rolling. And I was like, oh my God, this is my first equity show. I'm, I'm screwing up royally on this. I'm never going to be trusted again. I'm <laughs> never going to work in this industry again, you know, <laughs> and It was a two show day, um, uh, like a four o'clock and an eight o'clock. So like tight turnaround in between, you know, they provide us dinner Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even talk to the director of the show, who's also the artistic director, who was also there to do a pre-show discussion. So I can't even like talk to David to tell him that I, my script isn't here and finally like 10 minutes before go he gets off the stage i tell him i'm like my husband is working on it and like before this i told matt i'm like if you need to go down the street to home depot and get a crowbar and you know fucking break into my car get me my scripts uh-huh and so we we held the top of the show for like i don't know like 10 minutes and i I wasn't going to call places until I knew we were getting ready to go. Um, But my lead was awesome. She's top-notch professional, well-known in Milwaukee. She was already standing by. And she's like, why are we holding the house? So I have to like admit to her that my script is locked in my car. And, um, but we couldn't hold the house too long because again, it's a two-show day. We only have so much time in between shows. Mm -hmm. So um, Matt, the AAA guy gets there. Matt gets my script. He like takes pictures of the first so many pages of the script, (laughs) emails them to me. So at least I have something to call off of until he gets there. Now, these are just kind of random. Um, They're they're not like labeled or numbered, you know? Mm -hmm. So I have my phone and my deck chiefs tablet so that I can have like page one on my phone, get page two on the tablet, then get page three on my phone. And if, if you're a stage manager, you, you may know that at least my system, I have my blocking page and then my cues are in the script page. And Matt was sending me pictures of both. I was like, Nope, I just need the script pages with the cues. Mm -hmm. And so between what he sent me and like, I had to call one page from memory because he missed it in the picture taking and he got finally got there. I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the show and the artistic director whisked the script up to me and I finished calling the show. But um, it all turned out well because that theater company hired me for the next three years as their administrative assistant. (laughs) Um, I have worked at many other equity theater companies in town Um, and I have learned my lesson the hard way children that you're, once you open the show, leave your script at the theater. And also no matter what state that script is in, if it's not perfectly clean yet, scan it and have an electronic copy on, you know, Google drive or Dropbox, whatever you use. So Mm -hmm. that, that is one of the Royal screw ups I've had and the hard lesson. I learned.
0: (laughs) Oh, but see, look, your career wasn't over. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Again, we're all human. You know what I mean? We all make mistakes. It all happens. Um, and it's okay. And these, these are just some, some life lessons here today on there's no people (laughs) like show people. (laughs) I have also, that reminds me of the time. This is not theater related. This is motherhood related, but I was a new mom and, um, we had just moved back to Illinois and my daughter was, I think like probably like two, she's really little, like two months old. And I have her in her car seat and we're getting ready to, I think, probably go to the coffee shop. Cause you know, I go to the coffee shop every single day of my life. It's like my place. Yes. And I go to leave the door. I'm holding her, you know, basically newborn in the car seat. I lo- I'm like I got the baby, I locked the door, I closed the door. I'm standing on on the front stoop and then I realize I don't have I literally don't have anything else with me. I don't have my purse, I don't have my keys, I don't have my wallet, I don't have my phone. Oh god, yeah. So I'm just stand I'm literally standing there hold but I have the baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I ha- I have the baby. <laughs> So like, clearly that was the most important thing, <laughs> but I had, I just, for, I totally forgot. I forgot to grab my, I didn't have the diaper bag. Like I had nothing. I uh-huh. just had me and a newborn. And I was like, okay, well now what do I do? Like, thank God the um, mailman was walking by like at that exact moment, delivering the mail and I was like, I need your phone. I need to call somebody. <laughs> I was like I'm locked out of the house and I have this baby and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a crazy person. And he was so nice. He gave me his phone. I called somebody who called somebody else. And then, you know, they got me a key and it, we, it all got figured out. But of course I was like, what if she? And she was, Sophie slept, she was sleeping the whole time. So like newborns sleep a lot, thank God. But I'm like, what if she wakes up? What if she starts crying? What if she needs something? What if I have to change her diaper? What if she, you know what I mean? I'm like I yeah. have nothing on me. So. And it's amazing that
1: you like knew a phone number because <laughs> I it was not until I was married that I learned my husband's phone number by heart.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Well, and I know, I mean, like you have an amazing husband, so he's like super supportive and just a really, really great guy. Yes. Yeah. So shout out, shout out to all the partners out there who support your uh, crazy girlfriends, boyfriends, wives, husbands, whoever, who somehow is in this crazy career.
1: Yes, you are the real MVP for every meal that you have made for us, for everything that you have dropped, what you were doing to get us from home. I've done that for Matt too. He, he also has done a show where he showed up at the theater and did not have his script on him. So I brought it to him much sooner than uh, before go, but yeah. Uh, And even if you don't have a romantic partner, having anybody out there who is your anchor, you know, a best friend, a sibling, yeah, a parent, you know, you cannot, we, we can't do this on our own. It's, it's tough. It's amazing and rewarding, but it has very tough moments that we need help getting through. And if that is professional help, please pursue that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone who is out there? Who's really struggling right now? You know, maybe Maybe they haven't worked on a show in a while, or maybe they don't know where their career is going, or they, they, I don't know, they just feel kind of lost in, in life. Um, What would you say to that person right now?
1: I would start off with, you are not alone. Um, You, in two senses, that you are not the only one struggling. Other people out there are struggling. And also you are not alone in that, um, you have people that love you. Um, I have struggled with depression and anxiety, and I know how lonely that can feel. Mm -hmm. And um, and especially when I have, you know, not been able to communicate what I need, I just can't, you know, my husband is sitting right here and I can't tell him what I need because I'm so far into the hole. Um, You are not alone. You are loved. Um, And I am not always the person uh, that knows the right thing to say. Mm -hmm. Um, so I am much better at like sitting with someone in that place. Um, Mm -hmm. I am on a grief journey. I lost my dad, uh, six years ago, suddenly, uh, from a stroke. And, um, even though we did have that complicated relationship, it was devastating. And, um, I, well, before I lost my dad, I would joke with one of my best friends that we go through the tough shit in life, either to create great art or to help the next person going through that, or sometimes both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so uh, one of my college roommates lost her mom a year ago. And when I finally got to see her in person, um, I, I just, I, I tell her, I get it. You know, every, everybody's, sorry, everybody's struggle is different. Um, but we can connect on some level in that struggle. And, and, and I'm just really good at listening and, and sitting in that, in that place with, with people, um, uh, in terms of like actual, perhaps practical <laughs> advice, um, you know, asking for help if you can, you know, if that's financially, I know that, It takes a lot of bravery to do that. Um summer 2020, when I had to tell my husband, we the way that our finances are set up is we're 50, we're a 50-50 household. Mm -hmm. So when I had to go to him the first time and say, I cannot pay my half of rent (laughs) to my life partner, that was tough. Yeah. Um, so asking for help um from friends or family, from professionals, um sometimes it's thinking about like what other skills you have or what other skills you want to develop. There's no shame in pivoting. Um, If this is the time of the great resignation out in the real world, it's the perhaps time of the great pivot here in the theater world. Um, uh, Is it okay for me to talk about my career transition at this time? Yeah, of course. Um, So 2020, of course, I lost a lot of opportunities. I was going to, I was going to pause stage management kind of anyway Mm -hmm. to pursue the wedding industry. Um, I was the office manager for a DJ company who had done our wedding and was like a friend of Matt's. And that was like the only thing limping me along five hours a week (laughs) over the summer. Um, but then I was teaching again and then a friend of mine, uh, offered me this job at a bakery, um, that theater that I had bombed the second day of my equity contract that hired me to be an administrative assistant, I worked in marketing and development. And I worked with that marketing director for three years. And she left January, 2020. I left May, 2020, July, 2020. She got a job at a bakery. And then that October, she's like, my assistant isn't working out. Will you come assist me again? And I was like, well, what else am I doing? So I started that off Mm part-time and I really enjoyed it. I was, my official title is content creator and social media strategist. And it was being organized, my organized side of myself, but also getting to be creative in a way that stage management hadn't allowed me before. Um, I firmly believe that stage managers are theater artists. There is an artistry to what we do, to feeling the rhythm of a show to call it, to feeling the rhythm of a room to manage it, you know? Um, The way we create paperwork to be aesthetically pleasing and legible, you know? That is art. Um, But as a stage manager, my input is not always welcomed. I, I am not hired to be an artistic voice in the room. Um, sometimes I've worked with directors who did want to know what I thought and were receptive to my thoughts and suggestions and are uh, directors who were not. Um, but on, in this space, on this team, my opinion is welcomed and my input is appreciated and valuable and valued. And I get feedback so often and it's so sincere and encouraging. Um, again with stage management, so often nobody comments on something until you don't do it. Um, when you find someone who like, thanks you and thanks you sincerely yeah. as a stage manager, it's, that's really valuable and and not common. If you need accolades and that applause, don't go into stage management because you <laughs> don't get it very often. So, um, So anyway, uh, I was, I was, um, having a good relationship with this, this bakery and this team and the owners offered me to come on full-time and that was a struggle to decide. Like Mm -hmm. I invested, you know, nine years of education and six years of professional, uh, time in this career, uh, was that a waste, Uh, no, it wasn't because I literally would not have gotten to this point without that theater journey and those theater contacts. Mm -hmm. Um, and theater and stage management will always be part of who I am and who I am as a stage manager comes from my soul, you know? being calm, being positive, being organized, taking care of people Mm -hmm. that comes from my soul. Um, but this is a different side and it, it gives me an opportunity to get off the freelancing merry-go-round for a little while, you know, having a nine to five, that's not really nine to five because I have a half hour unpaid lunch break. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But having a regular day job and weekends off, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's a small business, so I don't get sick time or pay time off or that sort of thing. So that is um, still tough. Like that's, that's the next goal that I'd like to get to. Um, but so I guess I'm rebranding myself mentally from theater artist to creator, and not just like I'm creating things at work on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and email for the record, um, but also because I'm not dependent on stage management to support myself, I'm hoping that this gives me some free time to get back into directing because I assume it will be for small theater companies who pay $300 a contract. Yep. <laughs> um, so get back into directing. Uh, since my father died, it was like, I finally hit a maturity level where I have something to say as a playwright. And I have had very little time to actually sit down and write. And I had an idea for a screenplay of all things. And I just want to get back into crafting. We want to move. And so like (laughs) hacking to to move into a home and to remodel it and to reorganize our lives, that takes time. And When I commit to a contract, I commit, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not just, it's, it's always on my mind. And I, I do that a little bit. I do that to myself, but also that is the expectation of stage managers, you know, that you are on call. Um, I've really had to set boundaries on like my Mondays off. Like I will see that email. If it can wait, it's going to wait because I have things to do on my Monday off. Um, So all that to say that if you are struggling, perhaps this is an opportunity to try something else. And also if I may, the last thing I think I wanna say about the struggling is um, even though it's awful, sorry again, um, I keep hitting my mic. Uh, <laughs> I should know better as a stage manager, I used to a headset, um, even though the struggle is awful, and the shutdown was tough and I was, you know, I had to apply for unemployment for the first time. Um, There is still, I don't want to say like a silver lining, but you know, that was the most time I'd ever spent with my husband in like our eight years of relationship. Mm -hmm. I ate so many meals at home. We got to purge and clean our entire kitchen. So would I ask for that again? I don't know but it was also at the same time lovely in a way so I don't want to seem like Mary Poppins with the like quotable quip of like everything happens for a reason but I think that once you get on the other side you'll look back and be like "I, I grew I learned something um I think it was during the pandemic where I picked up on the phrase, no grit, no pearl. Mm. You have to like go through the tough to get something wonderful
0: at the end. Exactly. That's so good. No grit, no pearl, you know? And if, if you are still in the mud, in the muck, in the grit then you just gotta know that that eventually you were gonna get that pearl. Yep, yes, I believe that. And yes, uh, thank you so much um, for taking the time to chat with me tonight. Like this has been such a great conversation, truly so many pearls of wisdom. And, um, I think the two biggest things like that I've wanted to say this whole time is number one in any show, and it doesn't matter what it is, any show, the stage manager is the glue that holds the show together. <laughs> Truly.
1: <laughs> and that's so great to hear that, you know, you're also a director, so hopefully yeah. you, uh, oh. appreciate your stage managers.
0: <laughs> oh, like I can't tell you by stage manager, like almost every day in rehearsal, I'm like, help i need your help like thank god you're here like how are we gonna do this like what what do you think about this like we need to do this like do we have enough time for this like i don't know like this i am always like clinging to the to the stage manager like i'm like sos sos um yes so yeah so friends never piss off your stage manager ever (laughs) um please say thank you to them daily like literally, daily, <laughs> yeah. Say thank you so much for everything that you do, and um, I think the biggest thing that I took from this conversation and to anyone who is out there listening right now is is that uh, you are not alone and you are very loved. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for listening, um, and I can't wait to see what happens next week on this podcast because even though I am the host uh every conversation is so different and exciting to me I love doing this where I mean clearly like it's been almost two years of this podcast um I'm working on a second podcast right now I, I don't want to give I don't want to give away too much um but I love it because I really love the art of honest storytelling
1: mm-hmm. yes and talk about diverse diverse, um, talents and interests, uh, you and Sarah Philobalm, I am, I have, I am not surprised to hear you have more ideas to share with us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I just have a lot to talk about. I have a lot to say. (laughs) So, all right. Um, thank you so much. So good to see your face. Thank you. You too. And And to hear your voice and, um, who knows what, what the theater gods have in store for us. What the, what the, we will just, we will keep uh, showing up and we will keep finding out.